This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. When precious metals are discussed, gold is usually the first topic or response. It's no doubt the most valuable, but silver has played an incredibly important role in the history of the United States and the world. It was mandated here in the U.S. along with gold as legal tender in 1789 as part of the Constitution, the first U.S. Mint right here in Philadelphia in 1792, and its importance was on par with gold until the Coinage Act of 1873 put us on the gold standard. It was also an important component of military conflict as well, helping Japan to become a global power before World War II. Yet it remains today a constant and important part of our monetary process, especially here in the United States. Bill Selber is a professor of finance and economics at New York University's Stern School of Business. He's the author of the new book, The Story of Silver, How the White Metals Shaped America and the Modern World, which gives a historical look at how it led, in part, to a financial crisis in the 1970s, thanks to Texas oil baron Nelson Bunker Hunt. It's a pleasure to have Bill Selber joining us on the show right now. Bill, welcome. Thank you very much, Dan. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you, Uh, sir. Thank you. Great to have you with us. I mentioned about 1789 when it was made legal tender, but when you think historically, how far back do you go and look at silver as such an important component of transactions in general? Well, actually, silver uh, was uh, the the main uh, uh, unit of money going back 5,000 years. In fact, uh, you go back to biblical Egypt, uh, it was silver that was used uh, in in, uh, in transactions. Uh, gold was uh, was uh, just not there wasn't enough of it to to be used uh, by most people. So silver for thousands of years uh, was the main medium of exchange. Uh, only you know in the 19th century did we uh, switch over to the gold standard. Britain led led uh, led the world in that, but silver has been the main currency of the world for thousands of years. And, and it's important. Uh, its importance does have some people seeing its value and place a, as important or close to it as gold, correct, even today? Well, certainly. Uh, people uh, look to precious metals, especially during periods of, uh, of um, uh, catastrophe or potential catastrophe. You go back to... Uh, uh, the uh, the great inflation in the 1970s. You go back to the Great Recession. Both gold and silver uh, were 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 bought by many many people. In fact, silver responded uh, to those uh, events twice as much as gold. So it in fact uh, has been a uh, a source of protection, or if you want, insurance against uh, uh, declines in other assets. So something like the the rise of the Roman Empire probably had an element of silver playing a role in it as well. Well, certainly uh, during the Roman Empire, it was it was silver coinage uh, that silver coinage began before gold coinage, uh, and it was used in Rome as a major currency. So silver goes back a long way. What was the production process of that coinage back in the day? How 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 were were entities able to produce enough silver coin to be able to be useful as a, as an element of trade or barter? Well, uh, they had lots of uh, they had lots of 
um, uh, mints that were that were located throughout uh, the Roman Empire. Right. There were mints that were localized, and they stamped out silver coins. Uh, you know, yeah. getting a big hammer, uh, getting a die, and smashing it into the into into form. So this was a a major production process. Uh, that uh, only later became mechanized, but uh, silver production was a big deal. Tell us more uh, about the coinage act of 1873 and and how we really came about to to have this reliance and and thought process of gold as such a a valuable entity. And and I'm wondering also how much of, there is a, a link to the gold rush here in the United States that was just a couple of decades prior. Well, now, let me start, uh, before I get to 1873, uh, uh, let me start uh, Alexander Hamilton, who okay. established the, uh, the U.S. dollar. Uh, he established both gold, the dollar in terms of both gold and silver. He worried about having um, gold only because it was too scarce. Uh, there wasn't enough of it to support a growing economy. We need a lot of money in order to just to to grease the wheels of transactions. So he established both gold and silver because gold was too scarce. And you mentioned the gold rush. In the 1850s, we had discoveries of gold in the United States, but also in Australia and in Russia. And suddenly, gold became much more plentiful. And that's what led the world as a whole to begin to adopt the gold standard. And in 1873, the United States, in fact, passed a law uh, which uh, eliminated the silver dollar as, uh, as currency. And it was called the crime of 1873. It was called a crime primarily by Western mining states who uh, did not like the fact that silver was no longer part of uh, the U.S. monetary system. Yeah, I wanted to ask you more about that, because that is a unique terminology. And and obviously, as you just kind of laid out, there was such a business element and an importance uh, of uh, of silver throughout that period of time that you're basically taking something away to a degree from all of those miners. Well, you certainly took away from the miners, but more importantly, you took away a medium of exchange that was used by the common folks in the United States. And beginning in 1873, we had a scarcity of, uh, of uh, currency, and that led to a huge deflation, reduction in prices for about 25 years. And that led to a conflict between East Coast bankers, who liked the strength of, of the dollar, and uh, Western miners, Western farmers, who felt that their, their land was becoming less valuable, but the mortgages that they, owned, uh, they owed on it were fixed in dollar terms, and there was a huge disruption in American history that ultimately led probably to the most famous speech in American electoral politics, the Cross of Gold speech by William Jennings Bryan yeah. in the 1896 election. 
We're joined on the phone by Bill Silber, who is the author of the book, The Story of Silver, How the White Metal Shaped America and the Modern World. Your comments are welcome at 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. Or if you'd like, send us a comment on Twitter at BizRadio132 or my Twitter account, which is at DanLoney21. Uh, I mentioned warfare. And take us into some of the various instances about how silver played a role in warfare and i mentioned at the top that it was a, a, a it was one way how japan was able to establish some of its growth before world war ii well yeah the the most amazing thing about uh, about silver is uh the unintended consequences of franklin delano roosevelt's pro-silver uh 1930s and that came about because with the with the Great Depression, silver had collapsed in value to 24 cents an ounce. Uh, that's pretty low. And there were lots of there was lots of pressure once again by Western mining states to boost the price of silver. And uh, Franklin Roosevelt needed votes in the Senate uh, to pass his controversial New Deal program. So he made a deal uh, with. 14 senators that were called the Silver Block. If you vote for the New Deal, I'll promote silver, which he did. And he led the U.S. Treasury, instructed his Treasury Secretary to buy silver, which he did, doubling the price. And that, in fact, caused China, which was on the silver standard, to go into a recession, to, in fact, reject silver as a standard, and that weakened China and promoted Japanese militarism that ultimately led to the, to the Sino-Japanese War in 1937. So U.S. policy of promoting silver had the amazing unintended consequence of, uh, of uh, promoting Japanese uh, militarism. It's an example of... America first policies and the fallout occurs later. What then it was the overall view of silver in Asia in general? I mean, and you talked there a little bit about the relationship between China and, and Japan and the impact. How did they view silver as an overall type of currency? Well, both India and China had a long tradition of storing wealth in silver. Once again, gold was too rare. It was too rare and too expensive. So almost everyone in India and in China stored their wealth in silver. China was a huge importer of silver throughout the centuries, and that was because they kept their their net worth in silver, and so did India. So silver was the main store storehouse of value mm-hmm. for uh, for most people in Asia. You also talk in the book about the the fact that uh, silver and playing off of of the importance that FDR had with it. Uh, how important it ended up becoming in the 1960s uh, with the leaders of the United States at, at that point in time. Uh, first, John Kennedy, and then uh, also LBJ. Well, the problem was the United States was still minting its coins with silver. Dimes 
quarters and half dollars were made 90% of silver. And our demand for silver began to outstrip the supply. In particular, production of silver was running about 100 million ounces behind the world's use of silver. And the biggest user of silver was the United States. Right. And we were running out of silver. And pretty soon, both LBJ, both uh, JFK and LBJ limited the, product, the use of, of silver in coins. And now we no longer have silver in our coinage because it's too valuable. Yeah. It has increased in price. So we could no longer use it to produce our our coins. You know, it's interesting when you when you look at the impact that uh, uh, various uh, multimillionaires or billionaires have on on economies. Uh, it, it is interesting to see some of the stories that come forward, and you relate. Uh, some involving Nelson, Nelson Baker Hunt, uh, Bunker Hunt, excuse me, uh, in the 1970s, and the value that he put on silver, uh, and and he was and he was he was one of the the 1960s and 70s tycoons, oil tycoons, when uh, when oil was really starting to become an element in uh, over in the Middle East, especially in Libya. Well, actually, Nelson Bunker Hunt's adventure in silver was. Uh, the reason I actually started to explore uh, the role of silver. Nelson Bunker Hunt was, in fact, the richest man in the world in the 1960s. Uh, He was uh, a billionaire when you could count uh, the number of billionaires literally on one hand in the Mm -hmm. United States, in the the world. And uh, he he owned oil wells, not only in Texas from his family, but also in Libya. And when Muammar Gaddafi took over in 69, eventually what he did was nationalized Nelson Bunker Hunt's uh, oil wells in, uh, in Libya. And Hunt was looking for a way to protect himself from inflation in the United States. We were on the road towards double-digit inflation. The 1970s, had what we call now the great inflation. Right. And Bunker Hunt looked at gold and he said, I don't like gold. There are too many central banks that could dump their hordes of gold. So he went out and started buying silver in the 1973 until he accumulated almost 200 million ounces. 200 million ounces is a lot. It's more <laughs> than the production of the four biggest world producers of silver. Yeah, that that's a staggering amount of, of silver to have. And then of course there's the the uh the run up in the in the value change which took his whole the, the holdings of that 200 million ounces from a couple of billion dollars to to what about 10 to 12 billion dollars. Between between uh 1973 and uh 1979 his holdings and value of silver went from about a billion dollars to over $10 billion. And I say $10 billion, you know, we think of billionaires as, you know, they're pretty, there weren't, there were yeah. five of them in the entire world. And he had silver in the, at the end of 1979 worth $10 billion. But, th- but then he gets into trouble, though, uh, correct, because uh, of concerns of, of price manipulation. And and he ends up having to file for bankruptcy, correct? Well, that's 
most amazing thing. How can the richest man of the world, and he was the richest man of the world, how can he actually go bankrupt? Yeah. Uh, and the answer is uh, he, he became obsessed. Instead of looking at it as an investment to protect himself against inflation, he became obsessed. And when I say obsessed, he actually borrowed money almost a billion and a half dollars right. to buy silver. So if you don't borrow money, well, you can hold on as long as you like. But if you borrow money and the price starts declining, you have to come up with cash for your creditors. And he couldn't. And eventually he had to file for bankruptcy. The book is The Story of Silver, How the White Metal Shaped America in the Modern World. William Silver is the author of the book. He's at the uh, New York University Stern School of Business. Your comments are welcome at 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. Or if you'd like, send us a comment on Twitter at BizRadio132 or my Twitter account, which is at DanLoney21. Uh, How is silver then viewed today? And I ask that because... We're in the this digital society, and obviously there's more and more talk about other types of currency coming forward, obviously with uh, cryptocurrencies, Bitcoin, et cetera. Where is silver's place today? Well, that's a great question. Uh, the, 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 the chances of silver returning as a backing, as backing to the currency is relatively small. It's not zero. It's relatively small, and I say that it's relatively small because the central banks of the world have been doing a pretty good job, a pretty good job of controlling, uh, of controlling inflation. Right. But there's always a chance that we have a problem. We had a big problem 10 years ago. In 2008, we had the Great Recession, yeah. which in fact brought us to the brink of financial collapse. And between 2008 and 2011, silver quadrupled in value. Gold doubled in value. Silver is much more volatile, and that volatility serves you well if, in fact, you have some silver as what I call portfolio insurance. A small amount in your portfolio, 5% of your net worth could be in silver, and some gold in order to prevent in order to prepare for the possibility of a financial disaster in 2011 the debts of Italy and Greece and Ireland were on the verge of bankruptcy and if that had happened you needed something to go out and buy a loaf of bread and you could do it do it quite you could, you could buy quite a few because yeah. silver had quadrupled in value. So yeah. it's insurance. It, th- that's interesting. I've got about a minute left here, Bill, but it's interesting because every time you hear uh, uh, the people on television talking about the markets and we have you know, a pullback on Wall Street, that you invariably see that move to gold. But you're saying that you can do almost as well making a move to silver. Well, I say you say almost as well. I said better. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> the reason, not because I wrote a book on silver, but because silver responds much more quickly and much more uh, st- strongly when everything else collapses. Right. Again, right. between 2008 and 2011, silver quadrupled in value when the world was in big trouble. Yeah. So if you want insurance, 
buy it, buy some silver, buy some gold, and sit back and let it sit there and do you, do its job. Great talking to you, uh, Bill. Uh, it's a fantastic book, and, and thank you for giving us your time today. My pleasure to be with you. Thank you. Bill Silber of uh, New York University, Stern School of Business. The book is The Story of Silver, How the White Metal Shaped America and the Modern World. The book is available in bookstores and online for your purchase right now. Uh, it's a great look at, at the history of, of silver. And as I've mentioned on the show, I'm a fan of history to begin with. So to, to talk about this element of a history is, uh, is really a unique one. For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.us. UPenn.edu.